we have something in common with our next guest. He is a tennis journalist and YouTuber, host of The Slice. He says it's tennis media by the fans, for the fans. Welcome to the show. Stephen Borton. G'day, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, our pleasure, man. Our pleasure. Uh, how much news has it made uh, over your part of the world that uh, Andrescu and Mike Venus are playing mixed doubles together? <laughs> um, you know, not too much news, apparently, because I actually just kind of saw that the other day and I didn't even know that was happening. But uh, good for them. And i uh, love to see it. Andrescu's got a good set of hands on her. I know that. She's comfortable at the net. So, you know, and I actually... Mike Venus, that's that's funny. I think I actually re- rode in a in a tournament car with him in Stuttgart, Germany last year. So, uh, some inside knowledge there. <laughs> that's the only that's the only real uh, inside scoop I have on that. Mate, what do you make of this uh, Miyukato and that being disqualified yesterday for that that uh, that ball just being whacked back to one of the one of the um, the kids that are at the back catching all the all the tennis balls? What? It was. It seemed to be when we've watched it on uh, the socials. It seems to be a pretty harsh call by the officials on uh, those poor double pairing. Mm. Yeah, that's a. It's an absolute travesty, right? There's. I, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that umpires don't seem to be able to just look at video or in real time and correct their decisions. You know, up here in Canada, we play a sport called hockey. Uh, well, it has a ton of problems with officiating one thing they do now is they go back and review things like that happened in the past to make sure that they had the right call and it seems to take away from a lot of this kind of stuff where you know in the moment something was happened judged what what uh, when it wasn't actually the case on you know whatever happened so yeah to see to see them get kicked out of the tournament is terrible um Mm. but the the other terrible thing is they're playing two primarily singles players who seem to kind of help get them disqualified, uh, which is totally disingenuous in my opinion Mm. and a lot of fans on the internet's opinions. Um, Mm. So yeah, it's just, it's a bummer, but I I see that uh, at least Kato is in the, in the mixed doubles uh, like we were just talking about and she's into the semifinals actually. So she's doing all right for herself, but yeah, it, it was a bad, bad look for everyone involved. What, what is there going to be any repercussions from this? I'm like you're reading and you're, you're wanting to focus more on the games and, and the opponents and, and the kind of competition that we're seeing, but you're reading about the booing that is going on in the stands, so that's not a good light on on the French Open. Then you've got this situation. So, mm-hmm. for a French Open industry, are they are they on the back foot at the moment? I think so. I mean. I was at the French Open last year in Paris, and France is such an amazing tennis country, so there's so much demand for the French Open. Like, it was packed last year. It's packed this year. But they, they've done a few things that don't seem smart and just seem to hurt them uh, for no re- good reason. Like, for example, their night sessions are one match. Mm. It's super expensive. I think I paid, like, 100 euros for a one match last or when I was there, and I was not in a very good seat. And so that just doesn't seem like a good value ticket, regardless of what it is. And then they have, you know, unequal, uh, you know, most, I think like nine of the matches were men last year and only one was women's. Um, that doesn't look good. You know, that doesn't help the press. And then, yeah, they have the, the, the you know, the French crowd going nuts uh, with Taylor Fritz. Uh, you know, that hard, hard for the tournament to control that. That's just the French people doing what they do. 
Um, and, but then, yeah, with, with officiating and things like that, there's, there's a lot of confusion. It seems to be had right now. Um, so yeah, for the last few years, this tournament seems like it, it's had issues, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be hurting them financially as they, uh, always are filled out and it's, it's a packed, you know, there's just a lot of love for tennis in in Paris specifically. So yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a crapshoot, but they, uh, seem to be mm. moving through it. Hey Stephen, let's talk about the the uh, the men's side of the draw. Ruined with his five uh, set epic against Surindolo. Uh, um, is is he a threat, or you know, is Novak um, too hard to get past? Oh, uh, Holger Rune's definitely a threat. I think you know, I had him quite high on my power rankings. I think I had him. In, you know, I just took a list of all the guys that I thought were real contenders, and I had him at number three behind. I had Djokovic number one. Only because he's won 22 majors, Alcaraz has only won one. I had Alcaraz number two, and then I had Holger Rune number three. Because um, this kid has so much confidence. His game is so good for the surface, and he's physically able to compete with anyone out there. We just saw him beat Djokovic in Rome. And, you know, even, you know, he just came through that match against Sarandolo, which was tough. He could have he lost it, but he toughed it out. So... You know, he's on the bottom half of the draw, Holgaruna is, so he wouldn't have to play, you know, the other three best players in the draw, in my opinion, are Alcaraz, Sitsipas, and Djokovic. Those three guys are all in the top half, and Runa's on the bottom half. So he won't, he'll only, if he makes it to the final, he's going to have to play one of those guys, but none of them mm. until the final, if that makes sense. So I think he's got a pretty good chance to make the final. He's going to have to beat Casper Ruud here, which they've got a lot of history, and, uh, you know, then we'll see. But yeah, he's he's definitely a contender. He's he's a real contender. He's not a pretender. It's going to be interesting to see what unfolds. We'll flip to the other side because I was watching the French Open while we were working. I had it going on the laptop and I was watching Inga Swatek taking on Suchilev and uh, it was a walkover, 5-1. 5-1 in that performance. So obviously something went on in that game that I've missed. So can if you just enlighten us about that? And then looking forward to the quarterfinal, Swatek taking on Coco Goff. Who's got the inside yeah. running there? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's interesting. Serenko, I, I, I just saw on Twitter, you know, she's made a big habit of pulling out of matches, which is unfortunate, right? We, you know, apparently it's like mm. like a big number. A fifth here it is, fifth retirement in or walkover in her in eleven tournaments this year. Wow. So. Uh, wow. that's a tough look for her kind of, you're not sure what's going on there, mm. but she, she absolutely chopped up our, uh, Canadian Bianca Andreescu six, one, six, one. So we were thinking, Hey, she's going to be a good, can, you know, fight for Sviantec, but not the case that she had to pull out. But, you know, just interestingly, this is another reason why it's hard to put Sviantec, who's the best female player in the world. It's hard to put her on a night session or a big match because she's just destroying these players. Six Oh, six Oh, in the round before that. And then, you know, Five one. So so. Anyways, so to your question about Coco Golf, she can she can play with her. You know, this was the final of the French Open last year. Sviatek obviously beat Coco Golf. So this is a, a rematch of the final in the quarterfinals. You know, I think Sviatek's a huge favorite. Um, Coco Golf though is going to be loving uh, to have another chance to try and solve the puzzle, but the Polish puzzle, but. I don't, yeah, I don't think much has really changed, and I think uh, I'm very confident in Sviantec coming through this one. Hey, Stephen, do you think it's lost a little bit of its uh, pull internationally? You know, for the last two decades, you've had uh, 
Rafael Nadal there just taking taking these titles at will really and then this year it's sort of like up for grabs and there's none of that there's none of that talk around Nadal is it, do you think it's losing a little bit of its gloss the French Open I'm not sure it's it's hard for me to tell outside of the tennis world right because I'm so I'm so drilled down into it so to me it's the same the same amount of hype there's just a different storyline this time it's like can Djokovic get a number another one you know become get number 23 you know be the number one leader out of the big three with with slams and then you know there's you got Alcaraz you know you got Nadal leaving but you got Alcaraz there this year as as the you know betting odds favorite to win the entire thing and he's still only 20 he's the number one player in the world so I think I think thankfully Alcaraz has come come around at a time where you know Federer retired last year Nadal probably, you know, I think there's a good chance he played his last pro match already. Um, so I think there is enough buzz for sure for for definitely for tennis fans outside of like, you know, the real tennis fans, just maybe the casual sports fan. Maybe it's lost a little bit, but I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have an exact pulse on that. A player that's not getting talked about it uh, too much, uh, but is in the running, and maybe this is because he's, shown uh, in the past uh, um, you know ten, tends to bottle it when it comes to the big games but is Stefano Tsitsipas I mean he is ranked fifth mm. right and he's up against Alcaraz everybody's talking Alcaraz Djokovic like they th- see that's going to be the semi but I mean the fifth seed up against the first seed in that quarterfinal is not a done deal either do you, do you think on this surface Tsitsipas can take Alcaraz all the way? Uh, I think he can for sure. And that's a great point you brought up. You know, since the past has, you know, in 2021, he was in the final against Djokovic up two sets mm-hmm. to love. And he's already won, you know, Monte Carlo twice. He He's well known for the last two or three years as, you know, the next guy on clay. And I've been defending him over the year, you know, the last year and a half, because since that final, he doesn't seem to have that clutch factor or that belief in himself against the real top guys in the world no matter what surface it is. And now Alcaraz is kind of his, the new bane of his existence where he's just really can't figure out how to crack that nut. Um, and it's not like it's always like some, some of these matches are close that they've played. Um, but it seems like, yeah, Alcaraz just has a mental edge over him. They got, Alcaraz has won all four of the matches that they've played, but I will say Sitsipas has historically played better, I think as the underdog. So now maybe there's a little less pressure on him. He's the underdog in this matchup, even though he's older. He's still only 24. So Alcaraz is 20. <laughs> but I think Sitsipas is the underdog, and I think that'll take a little pressure off of himself, maybe just internally. And I think if he really plays his best tennis, you know, mentally and physically, he can he can beat Alcaraz if Alcaraz is a little little off his game. Um, and you know, I think Sitsipas's game is so good that he can he can make that happen. But it's going to be tough. But yes, he can definitely do it, and I think it's ridiculous to overlook him uh, based on what he's accomplished before. The, the French Open's always thrown up new names. Generally, you know, we'll, we'll see somebody who's a, a thirty or forty uh, ranked in the world that maybe isn't a household name come through. We saw Michael Chang do it year, years ago. Uh, was it eighty nine at, at the French Open? We saw Sara Irani, the Italian, do it a few years ago, make the the final of the French Open. Um, Who's the who's the outsider this time? Is there an outsider floating around that you think is still in with a chance and uh, probably on the women's side and could make a run? Yeah, it's a good question. I was just looking, you know, at the men's draw, I, there is a couple outsiders on the bottom. They're actually playing right now, but I think they have literally zero chance to win. So 
let's just looking <laughs> at the women's right i i think you know Sviantek and sabalenka have really asserted themselves as the queens of the tour like they you know as well as rebaikana who's there who had to pull out of this tournament those three uh women have kind of a stranglehold of the top and i do yeah not see anyone in this draw breaking through that you know it's, Alina Svetlina is having a bit of a Cinderella run after having her child. You know, she she just beat Daria Kasakina, and now she's in the quarterfinals to play Sabalenka. If she gets through Sabalenka somehow, that would be, you know, then maybe we've got uh, another storyline on our hands there as far as someone someone coming through. But then she's got to beat Shriantek probably in the final. So the women's draw is starting to look a little bit more like the men's where they, where they got the real big stars at the top kind of guarding the the titles. So I don't think this will be another French Open where we get kind of an outsider winning. I I, uh, I don't see it happening this year. Yeah, all right, Stephen. Thanks very much for your time, my friend. We'll let you go and uh, catch up with the tennis action out of uh, Paris uh, and keep up the good work on the slice, eh? Thanks. Appreciate you guys having me on again. Nah, no problem. Soon. Anytime. Uh, tennis journalist and uh, host of The Slice. You can find him on YouTube as well, Stephen Porton, and on Twitter, Tennis Media by the Fans, for the fans. And uh, good to get uh, his take on the French Open. We'll do that again with Brett Phillips later on in the week. Uh, what do you reckon? What's your take? Double eight double three is our temper bedpost text machine, or you can call us 0800 150 You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.